Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the movie podcast where two films with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one did it better. On this week's show, in the red corner, Kathleen Turner plays a lonely romance novelist who embarks on an adventure where she falls in love with a man she initially can't stand in Romancing the Stone. While in the blue corner, Sandra Bullock plays a lonely romance novelist who embarks on an adventure where she falls in love with a man she initially can't stand in The Lost City. Don't panic. What do you mean, don't panic? Just don't panic. No, don't stop saying panic. Okay, I'm panicking okay. now. You have something on your back. Ah, don't no! Stop what is that? Stop screaming. Stop screaming. What is that? What is that? Do you have any on you? No, no. Why, no. Wait, why don't you have any on you? You need the jumpsuit. Scared them off. I don't, I don't know. Get them off. Oh, my God. Get okay. No, I can't touch this blood gorge mucus sac. Can you right fling now. it? Can you, why don't get you it. just pick it and fling it? Just pick it. And you fling pick it. it and fling it. You, can you spin Please it? Please get it off. Get it off. Oh, I don't like touching okay, it. Okay. I don't. I'm feeling faint. They're sucking okay, okay, okay. They're sucking my soul okay, okay, okay. out. Stop! 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 So which film wins? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And as I'm speaking, you've probably figured out that Alex is away this week. But what really matters is that our MIA host is back. <laughs> so, Vicky, how was three weeks away from this nonsense? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was hard to be away. Obviously, I love doing this, but it, but it was also nice to be 
on a beach doing nothing. Were you listening to Clash of the Titles? I've, I've got to be honest, no. Not at all? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm really sorry. I feel like we got one message that sounded like you'd heard something or really? you knew something. Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah, you were asking about the guests and I felt it was oh, based no, on God, what we yes, said. Oh, no, God, yes, sorry. Yeah, that was me. I had a dream. I know dreams are boring, but I had a dream. So it must come from a place of anxiety slash jealousy mm. slash fear of missing out. I thought you had Zac Efron mm. <laughs> as the guest. And I was really pleased for you because that's a big that's a big booking. It's a big get. Yeah, it's a really big get. I've, I've met him. He's not that funny. And, but I was also really pissed off, obviously, as you can imagine. Sure. Because in the dream, I was like, oh, brilliant. So when I go, yeah, they get, Zac Efron's they get, in the big get care. Efron. <laughs> um, no, Zac was busy, so yeah. we got the next best thing. Yeah, and which I then figured out was Dave Berry. Yes. Which is brilliant, obviously. Yeah, yeah. sorry you missed him. He was on, he was on good form. I bet he was. He was very happy uh, to join us for two films he actually liked. Yeah, he liked Tango and Cash, didn't he? He did like Tango and Cash, to be fair. Yeah, um, at least he finished both films this week. Uh, <laughs> week but um yeah no uh we've missed you thank we've missed you thank you um and you picked these films this week i did pick them even though you kind of ignored me on the message yeah which is fine. I, I didn't want to do action films after action films i just what, forgot just, to respond just say no. you can't just ignore me you can't just ghost me i thought it would go away yeah exactly uh, and that wasn't i kind though when i was like oh you've just ignored me for three weeks i was like was there something else you wanted and i wasn't being passive aggressive i was like okay if it's a bad choice why have you picked these films well because obviously uh so the lost city you know you had me at Sandra, obviously. If you're going to throw in Channing Tater being funny and Radcliffe actually being all like sort of sort of campy supervillain and Brad Pitt, you know, like you, you've said to me before, you've got to worry when Netflix starts using an algorithm to script content. If this is the kind of thing it spits out, because this was like made by design for people like me, like mm. it's like an algorithm has put this film together. Mm. And Romancing the Stone, I just have a very fond family memory of watching it. Although when I watched it in the week, I was like, oh, maybe I was thinking of Jewel in the Nile. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't want to tell really? you that. So that's the sort of thing that makes you really mad. No, no I love Romancing the Stone, but I, the, the memory, the specific memory I have of the whole family enjoying this film when I I was very young. I think was the jewel in the Nile. Now, jewel in the Nile is terrible. Is it really? Yeah, it's it's borderline on what. Are you sure? Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> so maybe it was this then. Maybe Yay! it was this. So oh, I'm maybe your family had bad taste. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So clue wise, um, Alex said. I think he said love books was the clue. Right. Which yeah. at the time I was like, uh? and then in the pub I said, people, that's just a romantic. It's romantic adaptations we're going to get guesses. He goes, no, it's a perfect clue. Right. Obviously not a single correct guess came in <laughs> based on love books. I think you need to say he was being meta with it somehow. Yeah. But um, so I felt that I needed to get more specific with my clue on Twitter. So I wrote inappropriate jungle attire. Yes. That was my clue. That was maybe too specific. Right. As everyone, everyone then got it. But I like it when everyone gets it. Mm. Uh, first correct answer, I think, because I wasn't paying attention because that was Alex's job until he's pulled out. Yeah. Andrew Logan. Great. Your prize is a copy of the romance novel I'm working on about two guys and a girl who start a podcast, then promptly fall in love. It's called The Passion of the Pod. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I know people in thruples, but I don't know how it actually works in reality. No, so but we're going to find out. Do you know what? If we're going to find out, awesome. Yeah, that's the end of my book. Another life goal ticked <laughs> off the bucket list. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Maybe he can get involved. A menage a quatre. How fun. Fun. I was going to make a bucket joke then, but I won't. <laughs> um, so, excuse me. The connection section. Oh, man, there's a lot. Yeah, I've got like four. So do you want to do all yours? I'm sure you've got mine. All right. So oh, do the good one. All right. The opening of your book is made real at the opening of your film. Sure. 
you've got the wrong shoes for the jungle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. You're a reclusive slash anxious writer. Mm-hmm. Tiny cars. Mm. Let's have a dance. Mm-hmm. That's as much as I've got. Uh, getting in the wrong vehicle. Incorrect bus slash not your cab. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, as I said, lonely women living alone, aren't they? They are living alone. Mm. Yeah. I would tell you what's interesting, but we'll get into it. It's like mm. that trope uh, of like reclusive writer, reclusive and sort of the shut in and a woman who's a bit of a mess. I think Romancing the Stone, you get the distance travel between what it looks like in Romancing the Stone and where we end up with in the Lost City is very interesting to me. Mm. We shall come back to it. We shall. Um, because on Thursday, Vicky is taking us to the Lost City. Meaning today, I'm letting Danny DeVito do my introduction via a teaser trailer in which he explains the plot in character. Brilliant. Then at the end, breaks the fourth wall and talks to us. Okay. Ira, you miserable worm, you lied to me. You said she was a city girl, out of her element. Just get her in the map and bring them back. Piece of cake. Piece of cake, my butt. What went wrong? I'll tell you what went wrong. <laughs> First of all, guess who else is here? You're dead right, Solo. What? Secondly, she's got herself a partner. You like shooting holes and everything. There's nothing you can say that'll make me go back into that hellhole. Don't bring that up, Ira. Ira, stop it! All right, I'll go back. But this time... You're coming with me. That's that, so odd. That's him talking to you. So it's because, I don't know, like his character in this is possibly extraneous, I would say. Sure. Uh, a, a star-making role yeah. for, the, for the gentleman, though. <laughs> I mean, he was on telly and taxi, but um, the fact that by the time they were promoting this in cinemas, he was what they were using yeah. is incredible True. because he was just cast, and we'll get to it, but as Michael Douglas's mate. So that really shocks. And, the, and the, the trailer for Jewel of the Nile, it makes more sense because this turned him into such a huge star. Yeah. He was one of the biggest box office stars of the 80s yeah. off the back of this. But this film, I'm, I'm quite surprised he's not a huge part of this no. film. Agreed. I mean, he makes the most of his time on screen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some behind the scenes on this one because um, it's quite a good story for once. Diane Thomas is who we're going to talk about the most. She wrote the script in 1978, um, two years before Raiders of the Lost Ark was written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, something I did not know, having spent my whole life thinking it was a Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, <laughs> ripoff. Uh, but yeah, she wanted to combine comedy, action and romance. Um, she was working at a restaurant called Alice's at the time. A friend of hers, agent, submitted it to Michael Douglas, who was as well known as a producer as he was as an actor then. And he loved it. Um, He went up to the restaurant and um, he said he thought she was like Joan Wilder when he met her. He said she was attractive, blonde, shy, but she had a real need for fantasy and adventure. And they hit it off. A bidding situation occurred and Douglas was willing to pay. He said, I don't care if it was the first time or the 10th time uh, someone had written a script. If the material is good, then the material has its own value. And so she got played um, a quarter of a million for this. Lovely stuff. It's a fairy tale. It's a dream. Dream, tr- dream yeah. come true. It's a dream. I mean, it goes horribly wrong soon. It but, does, yeah. Um, in terms of the script, other writers came in and reworked the script and then a test screening fizzled out. It was a real uh, flop. And so she was brought back to inject what Michael Douglas calls her charm and spirit and, and to add some specific scenes, which I'll flag when we get to the movie. But um, we're going to talk about her for a minute because... The dream really was real because the next thing she did off the back of Romancing the Stone was write three scripts for Steven Spielberg. 
Um, one of them was called Blonde Hurricane, uh, which was an adaptation of a Hungarian novel, uh, which sounded really interesting. Uh, similar, I would say, to Romancing the Stone. It was sort of a mystery action about this cool woman, the Blonde Hurricane of the title, who um, gets into scrapes and solves crimes. That one never happened. She wrote Always for him, which did get made five, six years later, not her version of the script. But she also wrote an Indiana Jones movie, which I think some of what she wrote might end up in the new yeah, film the next new year because... I've read an Indiana Jones script that has a sort of ghostly castle um, section in it. And her one was apparently a haunted house, Indiana Jones. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I've written about this. I think that the opening sequence of the new Indiana Jones might be that castle sequence from this old script. So she did um, three films for Spielberg. She was about to write a script about a girl who has the secret of the Philosopher's Stone. Cool! <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that was predating. But, um, but sadly, she never got to make that. A friend of hers said um, her scripts were about men whom she could and would have loved if only she could meet them. And she wrote that as part of an obituary she wrote for Diane Thomas because Michael Douglas says, the last time I saw Diane was when I went out to the parking lot and showed her the Porsche that I got her. He bought her that Porsche because she didn't write Jewel of the Nile, but it was a disaster of the script. Kathleen Turner hated it. And so she spent a weekend rewriting Jewel of the Nile. Um, and in exchange, he gave her that um, Porsche, which she then uh, died in. Mm, it's horrendous. Two horrendous. months later, her boyfriend was driving it. Um, I think he might have had a drink or two. And um, yeah, a passenger died. She died. And yeah, he, died, he, he was just over the limit, apparently. Mm. It's, it's awful. It's absolutely Yeah, awful. they decided not to pursue him, uh, the police. Yeah. They, they sort of gave up on it. But um, yeah, just a real tragedy because I don't know all the amazing films and scripts we, we could have got off the back of it because I'm sure we'll get into this, but it's, a, it's I guess what sets this apart, which I didn't understand when I was a kid, is, is the fact that it's a feminist piece. You know, the first half it might not be, but the second half it definitely is. I mean, I don't think it's not. I think some of the jokes that Jack makes have not aged brilliantly, but they wouldn't. It's an old film, so... But he isn't supposed to be the person of John's dreams, is he? He's supposed to be actually a bit brash and a bit of a dick. Mm. So that's fine. So that works. And she she sort of accepts some things that he says, that if you wrote it now, your heroine wouldn't. But that's, you know, that's the progress. And as I said, she was taken off this script. You do wonder what stuff was added by the other writers or some of the visual stuff as well, which I'm going to talk about later, that I feel like maybe the men making the movie might have stuck <laughs> in there Yeah. <laughs> when it's not... It doesn't feel like that's the point that Diane Thomas was trying to make. This yeah. was about a woman's fantasy, not a man's fantasy. And yeah. yet the woman is objectified in this film rather than the man. Yes. And it's like, uh, I want, I, I'm thinking maybe she didn't put that in. Yeah. But who knows? Anyway, it was set up at Columbia. They got cold feet. And then Sherry Lansing became the first female studio chief at Fox. And she's the woman who picked it up to make it. She then resigned before they started making it. But the point remains, <laughs> the first female studio boss is the one who bought this. And then there's some interesting stuff with... um. Robert Zemeckis, who he had uh, befriended Spielberg when he was a student. Um, Spielberg saw something in him, um, produced his first two films, I Want to Hold Your Hand, and used Cars. Both big flops. Uh, I'll add both really good movies, right. but they didn't make any money. And so the next thing Zemeckis did was write the script for 1941, Steven Spielberg's first <laughs> flop. Um, Some people get a lot of chances. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was all Spielberg though. And Spielberg said, I want to help you set up your next film. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm being mean there, but when I was watching Romance in the Stone, obviously what Robert Zemeckis goes on to become, it is interesting when you see it at the start. And it isn't as polished as later work. Of mm -hmm. course it isn't. 
but people just don't get those many chances these days so it's like some of it is a little less smooth than you might like and that could be changing taste and changing attention spans but just some of it does seem a bit cheap and a little bit clunky which is part of its charm but obviously he goes on to do like such like groundbreaking well not groundbreaking like monumental stuff but I think in today's system he would never get that far I think you'd just get canned well it's interesting because he doesn't actually keep getting chances but what the next step here was Spielberg said let me set up your next one Back to the Future sounds great (laughs) let's make that and to be fair Zemeckis said no he said the optics are bad on this I can't keep working for you and keep messing up (laughs) It's, it's making yeah. me look like an idiot, and it's gonna it's gonna affect your career as well as it's as bad I'm as drag us both down. Yeah, and so he walked away and started work on Cocoon. Yeah, <laughs> um, which he spent two years developing Cocoon, and then at the at the same time he's working on that. Michael Douglas loves both of these films that Zemeckis has made. As I said, they are good films, but it was a long shot as producer. But Zemeckis says, Michael came to me. Michael was always a champion of mine. He really kept saying to the studio, I want the energy that's in used cars to be in this movie. There's a sort of feeling that we were all on a mission. And so Zemeckis, his career was over at 23. Then at 28, he was given this second chance by Michael Douglas. So casting. Michael Douglas did not want to cast Michael Douglas. Um, as he said, in those days, there was a tremendous amount of separation between television acting and film acting. I wanted to try and get the part, but it was very difficult because he just wasn't bankable. He'd done these thrillers where he wasn't the lead. He'd been in a TV series and you didn't really make that crossover. So it's funny that him and DeVito made the crossover Mm -hmm. in this film. And so he wanted a box office name for his movie. So the original cast they were after was Clint Eastwood and Barbara Streisand. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah, definitely. 100%. That didn't work out. Jack Nicholson was in the mix. Burt Reynolds was bandied about to play the character. Sylvester Stallone and Christopher Reeve. Apparently, everyone in town turned it down, and so Douglas was forced to hire himself. (laughs) But I think it's an interesting moment in his career because he played good guys up until this point. This is the first time you're seeing this dark side Yeah, where... Uh, that's what he spends the rest of the 80s doing. He's the arsehole that for some reason we all like. And he looks like he's enjoying himself. Like, he doesn't look like, I wish I was not in this. Yeah, agreed. Deborah Winger was who they wanted to play Joan. Douglas says, this is an interesting quote, she was doing terms of endearment in Texas and we did stop to see her. We couldn't get a direct answer whether she was committed or not and we had concerns after being down to Mexico with Bob on locations and seeing how difficult it was going to be. We were going to need somebody who was a total team player. Yeah. There's famous stories about Deborah Winger being difficult. I don't know if they're true or not, but um, Kathleen Turner released a memoir in 2008 where she said that Deborah Winger lost the role uh, when she bit Michael Douglas during a dinner the actor had organised to discuss the part. <laughs> bit him. Bit him. Okay. <laughs> like leaned over or in retaliation. There's so much that isn't said there. Sure. Uh, but that would fall under the category of difficult, I would say, <laughs> and not a team player. I think it's a sacking offence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, Kathleen Turner um, had the role as long as she could prove to them that she could yeah, be dowdy. I know, it's so funny. I read this thing where she's like, so you go in in big clothes and no makeup, but she said, but it's still a struggle. It's like, because you are smoking hot always. This is the trouble. She's she's brilliant in this. It's just such a funny industry where she's like, look, I can also yeah. look like a normal person. Well, she'd only, the two films she'd done, I think she'd only done two films, 
and I want to do both of them in this podcast, Body Heat yes. and The Man With Two Brains. She is the same character in both films. Yeah, They're yeah. playing on it in the second film. So she is the sex pot. And so I guess people are, don't have the, 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 the wherewithal in Hollywood to see that you can be more than one thing. But they want, they want everything, don't they? Because they're like, well, we need someone, quote marks, dowdy, but we yeah. don't want anyone actually dowdy no. because we want someone to go and see it. So What's you can't get a character actor in that way. You've got to get someone who's fit, but they want someone to like take off their glasses and be like, she's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, she's all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Danny DeVito, he famously lived with Michael Douglas in New York when they uh, left uni um, and he appeared in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which, of course, Michael Douglas produced. So they were best mates. And this is quite a sweet story he tells on the behind the scenes of this, that when Douglas got um, streets of San Francisco and so moved to San Francisco to shoot that, he carried on play, paying his half of the rent on the apartment they had in New York. That, that is a good friend thing to do. Because Danny couldn't afford it. That's great. Um, uh, Danny kept asking him if there was a part for him in anything. Douglas sent him this script and said, Ralph, Ralph was your part. And uh, DeVito read it and he said it was even less in the original script. He said he was just a bloke peeking around a corner. <laughs> He said, it ain't going to win me an Academy Award, but it might give me some exposure. Um, and but, also, like, you know, you keep asking me if there's something in here for you. And, and now I've been like, I'm forced to say, yeah, I can't believe he's that cheesy. But yeah, I suppose you've got to think of number one, haven't you? Yep. And they uh, they expanded this character and the script on set. And I think some of what you see, like some of them, the, the bits I remember from childhood are the bits that Danny DeVito did on set. Like yeah. falling off a table. Sure running down a hill firing the gun behind your back yeah. that stuff was amazing because it's, <laughs> it's a cartoon character brought to life yeah. so um, it was not a pleasant shoot though Zemeckis says it was very very tough when the movie was over I said to my agent who gave me the script if another script ever comes across your desk that has a slug line in it that says exterior jungle night rain never send it to me <laughs> Douglas said it's funny what you said about him in this film he said one of those films that you love because it's so much fun and looks effortless but it was tremendously difficult to make and yeah, there's only about 20 minutes behind the scenes stuff, but it does look like they are having the worst time you can imagine. Well, they're in a jungle. They're in a jungle. Yes, which I have questions about Thursday's film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not in a jungle. <laughs> yes, that's why I've got questions, because I read a couple of interviews and they were like, oh yeah, we're definitely in a jungle. That's... In a lot. In <laughs> okay, LA. So... That's what that means. Um, but the funny thing with Zemeckis is um, he said uh, the guy who was the head of physical production at Fox at the time had it in for romancing the stone while we were down in mexico shooting we found out later he was spewing all this vitriol about how we're out of control and this director doesn't know what he's doing uh the cocoon producers Zemeckis said were hearing all of this stuff constantly coming out of mexico they got so nervous that they fired me you got fired from cocoon as well fired from cocoon <laughs> after he'd finished this film yeah. but before it came out yeah yes but it worked i mean from a first-time screenwriter this dodgy director who couldn't make a hit no star in it and it was in the top 10 in America for 11 weeks it's wow. one of those films that didn't open at number one but just stuck around all summer because the word of mouth was great yep. and people liked it and after they saw the movie Fox wanted to hire him back on Cocoon Yeah. Um, he said I just sort of kind of politely declined what a gentleman mm, and made back he'd be so the... tempted fuck you <laughs> <laughs> he politely declined and made back to the future <laughs> so brilliant it's just so brilliant mm. so uh, that's my behind the scenes tale lovely should we get into the film yes okay cold open with a cowboy yeah and some narration 
Yes. We're allowing this narration, aren't oh, we? Oh, yes, we are. This <laughs> so it's uh, Kathleen Turner as Joan Wilder uh, narrating her own book, The Final Few Scenes. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, it's silly romance, quite violent for romance, I would say. I think back in the day it was. I'm not. So my granny was a big Mills and Boone fan. Sure. As a lot of people's grannies were. Mm. And I would occasionally flick through it. And there is this, God, I'm going to misquote, so I won't say the name, but there was a feeling around those novels around that time, sort of, but very old, that if, if someone was forceful, shall we say, mm. that was super sexy. Sure. And I don't know if Mills and Boone is still like that. I don't know if it even still exists, to be honest. But, you know, people, the ideal sort of hero in the, in some of those books would be someone that, you know, quote almost wouldn't take no for an answer sort of thing. Mm. And so, but they, you know, they sold like, you know, bananas like people were going crazy for them so and I'm sure it, I don't know again I haven't read one but I'm sure it doesn't get too sort of criminal in the end but the idea of a very powerful masculine figure was a big seller I was yeah because I was wondering how I, I watched how accurate this was to the, the the kind of novels they're talking about and the time period because I recently watched a really good documentary about Jackie Collins oh right um, it's fantastic and about halfway through she's on Wogan with Barbara Cartland You're right and Barbara Cartland goes at her okay for basically writing porn and saying she's disgusting right. and she's an embarrassment. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe Joan Wilder's somewhere between Cartland and Collins. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, taste changed, don't they? Like we, the naughty books when I was growing up was Jilly Cooper mm. and we couldn't believe how saucy they were. Mm. Um, and they, they're always, quite clear. Always about people riding horses. Riding just, it's just about riding horses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all that comes with that. <laughs> Um, and so uh, this is Joan Wilder uh, writing the end of her new novel and weeping as she finishes. Um, we get a lot of um, character stuff here. A kitchen is filled with airplane bottles of booze. It's yes. So is that a thing? Is that a, so? I was. This is what I was saying at the top about this this idea of the hot mess. So what's the thing with um, Kristen Bell? Was it called the? The woman in the girl in the window across from the woman in sure. the street thing. So yeah, net, yeah. Th that Netflix show. I, I made it halfway through. Yeah, but it parodied. Exactly. And I didn't see it, but I believe it, it did sort of run out of steam. But the idea of like this woman who's a, a sort of a shut in, a recluse, she drinks, she whatever, she, her life is a mess. Mm. Where we are now is, yes, her life is a mess, but she's gorgeous. Her house is gorgeous. Uh, she does drink a lot, but it doesn't seem to affect her in any way. That's why the girl on the train was so good. Um, but here, 84, your life is a mess. You haven't got any loo roll. And it's like, that is so much more relatable. Like mm. being a hot mess in that way doesn't just mean having a gorgeous bath. It means you've forgotten to buy toilet paper, which is just makes more sense. So I was like, yeah, yes, Joe Wilder. I totally understand this. But then the miniatures, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like who has tons of miniatures? But is it because she travels? but it's not because she doesn't go anywhere so does she she will not commit to a full bottle of booze maybe book tours maybe it's book tours I'm confused by it yeah no I just wondered if anyone if that was a thing that people did I, I think I was given like maybe a box of miniatures once as a gift I would but get other, you a box of miniatures as a gift but yeah. other than that they're not really a thing that people have are they well so you say that have you ever been to the whiskey exchange on there's one in london but there's a few like no. one in covent garden it's like pick and mix for grown-ups so, right. so it's just you go in it looks like fucking hogwarts anyway it's brilliant right. um and and they've got those ladders sliding back and forth it's brilliant but it's and there's a lot of whiskey but there's a lot of miniatures and it is you go and you're like oh and they're like do you want a basket yeah <laughs> so you just fill up your basket full of really lovely miniatures so okay. do that i'm out of touch but um so the 
studio was very negative um, when executives saw the first cut of this film. And Zemeckis said, it wasn't really like we had a big screen or anything. It was just the main creative executive. Um, we were just looking at it and realised we needed to shore up a lot of Kathleen's storyline. All that stuff at the beginning where she's generally in her apartment writing by herself. We went back and shot that stuff and it helped her character a lot. So this is the stuff that Diane Thomas came back and wrote. This was not in the script. Right. And it's important. Yeah, I guess course. you don't realise how important it is until you see it without. It, like you these think fixes. about it not being there, yeah. Yeah, she um, helps an old lady with her bags, okay, saving Save the cat. Save the cat. Um, and we get a lot of exposition from her agent in a scene that's basically a precursor to Sex in the City, I would say, <laughs> isn't it? Holland Taylor is very good. Yep. I think she's brilliant. I lo- I just like all of it, yeah. Like you say, I understand the Sex in the City, <laughs> like being in the bar, like, but tastes have changed so much. Oh, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when she's like, look at him, and it's like, blah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's like, that's 80s dude yeah that's that was true, 80s but then dude Gloria is she called Gloria the publisher she's so gorgeous it's just that, that those men are gross but fine yeah and the fact that John orders a grasshopper so it's like that's not a you know that drink I don't know who's ordering that but it's supposed to say she doesn't have a drinking problem because if she had a drinking problem she'd order a sensible drink rather than a grasshopper so I get all of that I, th- I think it's good um, Zolo our villain uh, murders her janitor and ransacks her place um, in one of those scenes that sort of in a family film was very frightening as yeah. a kid <laughs> to watch yeah um, <laughs> um, I got yeah an innocent man dies straight yes. away yeah or we think he dies yeah but it is scary I yeah. forgot to ask you when did you first see this film I was about <laughs> eight <laughs> in yeah. my family it was that or the jewel of the night sure, but probably said we said we saw both yeah. So, it, but I remember whichever way around it was, my mum and dad loved this film. They were yeah. like, "Come on, kids, sit down and watch this film." Um, it must have been this one because the second the second one is is bad. <laughs> it get it gets. I mean, this isn't perfect, but it gets so much wrong. What this one gets right? Okay. Um, and she is she's such a damsel in distress in it. It's really yeah. it's 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 disappointing. It must have been this one then. Um, and so um, for me, this was just always on. Right, yeah. I don't know. That's was... what Mark said. I was like, yeah. do you want to sit down and watch Romance in the Stone? And he's like, I've avoided this film more or less every week for my entire life. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, it's literally always on, always on at Christmas. Yeah, well, I've just, I'm more, in the 80s, it, it felt like it was, or I re- maybe I recorded it the first time it was on in whatever, 86, and yeah. then I watched it all the time. But yeah, it was this or Raiders, <laughs> you'd stick on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've even got the, the seven inch f- from the single, from the sequel. Have you? Yeah, you know, you know what song came from the sequel? No. Billy Ocean when the going gets tough. Oh, is it? Yes, for this oh, movie. I can't remember that. The three of them are in the video on stage with him dancing. I have no memory of that. Hell of a video. Right. Okay. That's uh, yeah. I'm learning. Um, so her sister Elaine is in Colombia. Her husband is dead and has been cut into bits and pieces. <laughs> and he mailed her a package before he died. Yeah. This why? is all very. <laughs> you know what? What? Why though? <laughs> what? Why your wife's sister that you haven't seen her, I think. (laughs) And then she gets kidnapped by a child um, who's working for Ralph and Ira, I think. I think so. Did they kidnap her? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's a strange thing, Danny. I mean, Ira's Ira. He's not Danny DeVito. Uh, Danny DeVito's out Ralph. He kind of like a hero uh, in some ways in the film, or he's not a hero, but he's like a character you root for, and yet... He's pretty bad. He's bad. So you've got two antagonists or villains at this point because you've got Zolo and then you've got 
Ralph and Ira, who you, I assumed uh, were all working together. Yes. And it's not until she gets on the wrong bus, yes. Joan does, and Ralph is like, oh no, that you realise that um, there's two separate villains. Yes. And so then the film works quite hard to make you sympathise for Danny DeVito. Yeah, and to be fair, Ralph does say to Ira, we're not, you know, kidnapping is too much. We, we shouldn't be doing yes. this. We've gone too far. So I suppose it does do something of a job but when we meet them they are feeding crocodiles which is not a good look the snappers <laughs> <laughs> say it again Ira <laughs> <laughs> crocodiles I wonder if they'll come back they're in, they're in this film so much <laughs> um, so we learn that it was a treasure map um, that he sent to Joan um, she's got to bring it to Cartagena in Colombia with Zolo in hot pursuit she gets there she boards the wrong bus that bus crashes and then the plot of the film is the engine is the fact that she took the wrong bus. She's yeah, just got yeah. to get from one place to another. And I don't really understand why Zolo f- stays on that bus with her for so long. <laughs> like, he's, 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 he's been, a bad guy. Yeah. And he's a scary guy. He's just killed the janitor. Yeah. And all he needs to do is in front of everyone, he doesn't care, is just pin her to the seat. It's like, give me your bag. Yeah. Job done. The whole, the whole way. It's like he's scared of her. He's like, he's don't mess with Joe Wilder. I'm going to sit on this bus for eight hours going the wrong <laughs> I direction. I will follow you for eight hours. Bloody Zolo. <laughs> um, we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to meet Jack Colton. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
And we're back. So Zolo reveals himself. He pulls a gun on Joan and then gets in a gunfight with Jack Colton. And then later, you tell me, I've missed something. Later on, Jack is like, oh, now you've got me shooting at the police. You're a nightmare, John. He's like, you're trouble, lady, or whatever mm. the parlance of the time was. But he does shoot at Zolo here, like, a lot. So he's already in trouble. Oh, is it because he can't see him? He doesn't know who he is. Like I just, he's really cross with Joan later. He's like, you know, I guess he just, he's he's firing at a man who's got a gun trained on right, a woman, okay. rather than know knowing that it's the chief of the police. Okay, fine. Because Zolo's and um, who is Zolo? He's the he's the chief of the secret police, but yep. he's also uh, Indiana a Jones. Yeah, and he's Indiana Jones because it, he, uh, Ralph literally says he's searches for for, for ancient lost, antiquities. Lost yeah. <laughs> Classic Zolo. Um, so uh, Jack saves her. As you say, we realise Zolo's a cop here. Um, he gets in Ralph's car for some reason. I was, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. No. Nope. Um, Jack tells us who he is uh, by saying to Joan, "I ain't cheap, but I can be had." <laughs> um, and we learn what Jack wants. He wants a boat, and he's willing to help her for three hundred seventy-five dollars in travellers' checks. Great, that's good because you're like, "Oh, you, you're a bastard!" But it's like that's good. You have to be a bit of a bastard, otherwise none of this is going to work. So it is. It's weird, isn't it, later when she's like, you're not a gentleman, you do, took money. And it's like, yeah, fair enough, that is a bad thing to do. But you have to set these two people apart in order for them to come together. And the fact that he will take her money just even though she needs mm. help is good. It's, what's, it's what sets it apart from... It's what gives us uh, conflict. Yes. And, um, yeah, and the point is, I guess I'd always thought, oh, this is Indiana Jones knockoff, but he's very much Han Solo here. Yes. Han Solo is the smuggler who does stuff for money yeah. and, and then falls in love. And so... Um, it was interesting seeing that comparison. So, you know, there's some fun stuff between them. They've got great chemistry. He tosses a bag over a cliff. Brilliant. Uh, they both fall down a mudslide. That's so scary. Yeah, but when you're eight-year-old boy, it looks like the most fun thing ever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it like now as a grown-up, it's fun when they land at the bottom and they're like, woohoo, sort of thing. Or he's like that. Because well, he his head landed between her legs. Oh yeah, I that's why you that, went obviously. Yeah, did you? That. Well, it's just you know she's it's undignified. Uh, she's been through enough. We got some funny Ralph stuff here. Uh, calls Ira from the police station, falls off her desk. Classic, <laughs> classic Devito. When you cast Danny Devito, that's yeah. what you're gonna get. Yep. He knows how to be funny. To steal that scene mm -hmm. from himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack chops the heels off her Italian shoes. Great. Good stuff. Uh, more rain. More chases, more bullets fired at them. Um, a good line from him. Did you wake up today and say, I'm going to ruin a man's life? All about him, though. Selfish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's who that's who Jack Colton is. That's the journey yeah. he goes on that's in right, this film. Yeah. He only thinks about himself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they end up on an edge of a cliff. Um, he tells her to stand behind him. Yeah. She has other ideas. Yeah. Without him seeing, she starts trying the bridge. So I feel like this is the moment she transforms. This is, she's got an arc that, that that gets going. It feels quite quick mm. because normally, not normally, you could leave that moment of the crossing the bridge until right at the end. Yep. And it's brilliant that they stick it up front yep. because she's changing and all the rest of it. I do argue about her timing in terms of having a small drink afterwards. I think that once you've crossed that bridge and nearly died, have your drink later. But, um, but fine. How, um, sorry, how long a time limit is there on having a near-death experience and needing a, needing a top-up? I didn't think get to a place of safety. Okay. Um, Although it is a miniature. For, maybe that's why she drinks miniatures, because she's like, I need to do this on the go all the time. <laughs> but yeah, she's sort of transformed from helpless to, to hero. Um, they escape further into the jungle where they find a dead pilot in a crashed drug plane. God, I love that plane. Do you? It's got everything I need. 
Apart from the corpse, I don't need the corpse. Olives, booze yep. and weed. Why would you ever leave? Even though there's a snake in there in a minute, which is not dreamy for me. I just thought it was just such a... Imagine stumbling upon that. Mm. I'd be like, well, we can turn this into a house with a bit of work. <laughs> we, can live, we can die here. Live and die here. We clearly like each You're other. You're hot. I'm hot. Let's we're do fine. this. We're fine. Um, it's funny. I don't think a modern film would have a, a dialogue scene this long. It's a really yeah, long. I think it's yeah. good. Yeah. I think it feels long to me now in a way that it might not have felt when I watched it the first time. Yeah. Um, just because, as you say, sort of taste change, style changes. But we learn a lot here. Um, he finds the map, wants to find whatever's at the end of the map, wants to sail away all by himself. He sounds quite lonely. He becomes quite vulnerable here. He's talking about what he does for a living with the birds, and it's quite... Yeah, he wanted to... What is it? I, wanted, I like shortcuts. I quite like that line. Yeah, but it's sort of taking him down a peg or two, this sort of tough guy, but he's ended up smuggling birds. because he's stoned out of his mind, though, don't forget. <laughs> is he? Yeah, because that's what they set fire to. <laughs> right. So, and then he keeps it... So, which I thought was is really fun, and he keeps leaning into the fire to this ginormous right, yeah, hot course. rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just like... <gasps> but then I was like, you're in a cargo plane and I know that it's crashing, so there's obviously oxygen coming in, but you would be high as balls yeah. by this yeah, point, like yeah. helplessly high. And she's like, I started to feel dizzy. And it's like, I can't believe you're both not just like a complete mess. Of course he's having a heart to heart because he's wasted. Yeah, but it, it, it's this is her seeing his vulnerability for the first time and it's her seeing possibilities. Yes. Um, she switches because it can't happen yet. So he no. says some stuff that annoys her and um, she calls him Mondo Dismo. I'm telling him he isn't a real man and, and he's not honest or trustworthy. And then he saves her life by chopping off the head of a very long snake. And then does he eat the snake? Because um, he keeps saying they're delicious. Next scene, I'm sure he's eating something, but she's got the olives. So well, you do a- the math. I think he's cooked and eaten the snake. I've eaten the snake. He's roasted it over yeah. the weed. To give right, it yeah. a nice flavour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you? When? Uh, when I was last week. No, no. When I was in the outback, I went camping in the outback for a couple of weeks. Right. In Australia. And, and then what happened? Ate some snake. Did you catch it yourself? No. <laughs> I'm frightened of snakes. Of course you are. Everybody is. I'll eat a. Uh, I'm not frightened of spiders. Even massive ones. Yeah, not really. But, oh, but a big snake don't do my head in, and there's some big ones there. Oh, mm. and you were camping. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was quite frightening. And they can get in your tent. Have you not seen Crocodile Dundee? I You're s- mad. S- I accidentally stood on a giant one as well. Oh. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a log. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Joan passes out drunk, and the next day they're in a village filled with drug runners. Um, the drug lord is a big Joan Wilder fan. Yay. And they're all Joan Wilder fans. I do like that visual gag of his house on the outside. It's not shabby, but it's kind of rustic and there's mm. goats in the yard and it's whatever falling down. He's like, oh, Joan Wilder, come in. And it's brilliant. It's lovely. He's got like, you know, fun furniture. And yeah, he's got he's, all mod cottons. Yeah, he's got a little gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the beat as well, the beat is important. It's that she gets them out of trouble. Yes. Whereas Jack uses his strength. And these beats are very simplistic, but that's why they're so satisfying because yeah. you know what you're going to get. And when it happens, it's just that fun reverse and gives everyone, you know, female to male lead. You're just notching up the parity so that when the kiss does come, it's from a place of equality and that's all good. And I think by this point, you've forgotten she is a romance author. Yeah. And so it's quite a surprise when, you know, you get that reveal, which is very funny. Um, he drives them away in his Jeep. He avoids his favourite pig. He jumps over a river. They get to town and they both scrub up very nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know who has nicer hair. <laughs> I think he does. Yeah, I think he nudges it. 
Yeah, maybe yeah. so. Um, can we talk about the dancing? Yeah, we can. How do you feel? I am a heterosexual male. I don't understand what's happening when he's doing that. <laughs> what, with his uh, hips? Yeah, it, it doesn't look good to me. It does. It Mike, looks like... Michael Douglas can't dance is what I'm saying? Oh, hang on. Now, listen, I'm a very uh, gifted person. No, I'm joking. I'm a very... If someone wants to try, because this is me, because I can't dance, but I will try. I've danced so, with you. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I just like to try. And so once, if someone tries, that's good enough for me. Like, brilliant. I don't like people that are like, no, I won't do it. Sure. Because it's a killjoy. So I think it's of its time dancing. But when I see him, he's just committed. So he it, is, 100%. That's adorable. Yeah. It just doesn't seem sexy. And she loves it. That's she it. can't believe her eyes. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. And then he dips her and it's like, no. It's sort of dad wedding dancing. Yeah, kind and the of, trouble is it? I watched them the other way around. So once you've seen Channing Tatum dance in The Lost City, this scene is poorer by comparison. Sure, but at least it's original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's fun, and it's funny, but um, yeah, I just can't get over it. Like, um, So they kiss, um, they shag, um, and then we have another dialogue scene that really doesn't look comfortable with him lying exactly on top of her. Yeah, you're right. Now, he's a big man. Get off. I mean... We're done. How can you... <laughs> she must be very uncomfortable there. And he's just lying he? flat. He's like... What do they call that That challenge that people would do? The, the only, plank. The plank. He's, a, he's planking on top of her. I'd be like, lie next to me and we'll have a cuddle. But why are you doing this? Yes. Why are you doing yeah. this? Well, I found a quote somewhere uh, from um, uh, Kathleen Turner, not in reference to this scene, but um, to other stuff he was trying to make her do Robert Zemeckis yeah. saying how visually was a director but he was, didn't really understand how people's bodies were <laughs> and so he said he was always trying to get her to stand in uncomfortable positions and I guess what I'm thinking is like what the covers of those romance novels look like where people are standing weirdly okay, yeah. and so she said that she kept him saying to him I can't stand like that that's not how a human being stands <laughs> and this is not how two human beings lie in bed together <laughs> it's really let them have a chat do you think he's got like I don't know like an elbow in a rib or, I don't know yeah, why have you not? Because who's got the core muscles on? You know, I'm talking from his perspective to be planking for that long. Like, I don't know how long one can plank for. I can't plank at all. So I don't know. Well, I'm getting to the lack of six pack in this movie, but I, I reckon he probably didn't have a six pack at this time. Okay. Because there's a there's a distinct lack of Douglas shirt off action. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, this is the only time we you, you get a bit of um, Douglas si Douglas side boob. <laughs> um, so he says he wants to help her sister. Yeah. Then he steals the map. And then he puts it back. Yeah, but he's he's taking it to he's already to photo yeah yeah, and um and then they're back shagging, but he's. He's, He's lying. Him. But it's good because that's naughty. Yeah, it's good. It makes it makes it interesting. Again, more conflict. The only issue I have with that is, I love it, I do love it, and I've always loved it because I remembered it from being younger. Later on, it's Danny DeVito who says, He's using you, he's a con man, he wants you to believe all this. Da, da, da. And how would he know that? Like because he, I think he knows Jack. It just oh, oh okay. So yeah, it's just because like his I, th I think they both operate on the same in the same country. Oh, I see. As the sort of Americans who are you know a bit dodge. Okay, fair enough. So um, yes, he. I'll get to that line. He says um, he's a con man trying to romance the stone out the stone out from under you. Yeah. 
That is saying the title of the film in quite a clumsy way. It is a bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of romance a storm. Yeah, I, I, actually, that's I've I've never liked the title of this film. It's always driven me up the wall. What well, the because the trouble is, you, nowadays you do romance in the stone. Meet Joan Stone. <laughs> like, that would be the thing. So you obviously, let's not call her Joan. Um, but that's that's what it would be. It, it it's always I don't know. And then sometimes you think stone, you think ghoul stones, bladder stones. It just romancing the stone doesn't mean anything to me. No, I guess he's trying to give it context. But anyway, um, they find some milky water thereafter, find the gem inside a small statue, and it's a huge green diamond. How did that gem get inside that bunny? Because the gem is as big as the bunny. Yeah, but it's definitely inside it, so it must have got in there somehow. <laughs> so it's like um, traffic, you know, when they've got those at the gnomes, but they're made of cocaine or whatever. So maybe it's like that, like they sort of grew it, moulded it around the gem, and then it hardened in some way. It's probably like a Russian doll, yeah. the, the statue. Right, they just yes. put two sides of it together, but oh, we yes. we can't see that. Thank you. It's movie magic, Vicky. That was really bothering me because I was like, they poured it in there. <laughs> yeah, but they did get it in. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Um, uh, Ralph appears and pulls a gun on them and then he says move it before Batman gets home Yeah, which I like because he's the penguin yeah yeah <laughs> uh, not yet but he will be uh, Ralph points out that Jack's the con man and then um, they run and they drive and they get the stone back and they end up driving down a river it's quite funny her staring the car mm-hmm. on the river that's not going to have any effect um, <laughs> and then they throw themselves out of the car and off the waterfall in a very impressive stunt yeah. I was amazed they did do their own stunts didn't they i mean they always say that but they but won't they do, have done yeah. they won't have done that stunt no that's crazy no 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 but yeah. but what it was impressive in this film there's a couple of massive stunts and i, I like the, the with vine over the oh ravine. Yeah, yeah yeah again i mean that that's definitely not kathleen turner yeah but you can't see the joints the, yeah. the stunt people are doing an amazing job there, making us think uh, it is them so they end up on opposite sides of the river her with the map him with the stone and they agree to meet or he he suggests meeting at the hotel cartagena yeah. And I think the film has done enough uh, to this point to to make you doubt him enough. I, I mean, was you don't. ask you, you that because you, I didn't. No, you don't. You but, don't. But do you want to? Like, would you? I, it's such a tricky one. Mm. I don't believe he would let her down. So all I'm waiting for is exactly at which point will he turn up? And also it doesn't, you know, what matters is what does she believe? And she's not sure. But I wondered if it would be even more interesting if, if as a viewer you were like, I really don't know if he's going to do it or not. Yeah, I just but then I don't know because we're so far into it. We're sort of really getting that's you know nearly at Act Three. If you really thought that you'd be like, God, I've spent what an hour and a half with you, and you're still a bastard. So I don't know. Yeah, that is interesting. That could be my change. Thank you. Um, so uh, she's sent to a mysterious location to exchange the map for Elaine. Um, the handover happens and then Jack appears. He's a prisoner of the police and they're all taken prisoner now. Um, they cut Joan's hand and feed her blood to the crocodiles. Yeah. Um, turns out the gem is in Jack's pants. Does he shake it out of his arsehole? What happens? He's like, hang on a minute. And it shimmies down his leg. From where did it come? In his pants. In his pants. Yeah, okay, I think you're fine. supposed to think. I mean, it's still not ideal. He just makes but a really uncomfortable face. In front pocket. <laughs> so that would work for me because I wear boxers. He's got to be wearing so it wide slid, slid into that. Slid pit. in the side. A third bollock, effectively. <laughs> a really valuable third. A bollock. big sharp green bollock. <laughs> <laughs> um, You'd be so chuffed. <laughs> and he uh, drops it down his trouser leg, kicks it towards the water. Zolo catches it, and the and the crocodile bites off his hand. <laughs> I was a kid. We were all kids. <laughs> but it all goes a bit fucking crazy here. Like 
Michael Douglas gets a machine gun. I blinked. I was like, where did he get a machine gun from? And then someone's lost their hand. You're like, you idiot. Like, obviously, it's bitten your hand off. Doesn't Elaine, uh, not Elaine, doesn't John set someone on fire? Like, yeah. it just really kicks off. Yeah, it's the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It's the 80s. Kids, <laughs> yeah. The kids will be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but this is this is one of those. I've, I've written a couple of lists of, of, of stuff that messed up kids of the 80s, the movie moments. And I, I'd forgotten this one. But mm. as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, wow, this was one of those moments I was dreading when you're watching the film. Yeah. Pete, can I forward wine this bit? <laughs> Please, bro. Um, yeah, Zola. Joan throws the knife at uh, Zola, but he blocks it. Um, she's in real danger when Jack's wrestling the crocodile. And so he's got this decision to make. Does he let go of the crocodile that's eaten the gem and save Joan? Or does he go after the treasure? Um, of course, he does the right thing. He goes after Joan. He turns into Spider-Man. Literal Spider-Man. There's no purchase on that wall. I might not say, oh, he's Spider-Man now. There's not even a ledge. And he's like, bup, 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 mm. we go. Like, it's, it's crackers. Mm. But he's, yeah, it's but impressive. But he does it. It's fine. Um, and at the same time, uh, while he's climbing the wall, Joan burns Zolo, as you said. Then she sets fire to him and he falls into the crocodile pit. Pit, yes. And so it's great. She didn't need him. Yeah. And so that's really good writing. Yeah. Because he could have come and helped and teamed up with her. Michael Douglas, as producer, his ego might have said, I want to help save her. That's a good point. But what yeah. we end up with is Joan saving herself. And not only that, but he says to her, you're going to be all right, Joan Wilder. It's telling us she's got her independence. We've seen it, but it's nice to have a character sort of back it up. He kisses her and then says, you always were. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good. And then he dives into the water. Bye. And it's so cool. I'm going to leave you now. It's very, very cool. It's so not to not to be too much this person, but this is what would change. You don't need your man to tell her. She, no. You can't speak to yourself or for yourself in that way. You can't go, I'm going to be all right now because that's bad. So it's difficult. Do you make another female character do it? I don't know. It, it's of its time in that the man that you are interested in has reinforced what you already know. Um, but you might do it differently these days. I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally see where you're coming from. But I was thinking as well, if I tried to do this, I would definitely belly flop into the water. <laughs> You'd ruin it all. I would have got it all right up to that point. And then, bang, ah, bang. Everyone's like, ha, ha. And then Joan's like, are you you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I meant to do it. It's just different. It's just different style of diving. That's all it is. Uh, So we cut back to her in New York and the publisher loves her book. Um... But she's still hopeful that Joan will find romance. I mean, I think this is where Lost City actually has it better because uh, Gloria always liked Joan's books. So the, the, the art, not the art, but the change there is like, oh, this one's going to be huge. But it, she was like, the one I got in the restaurant when you ordered that grasshopper, that one was going to be huge. So mm. nothing is any different. But it's like Gloria is really concerned for John's love life. So that's enough. But I was like, oh, you were always a good writer. And now you've written something even better. Fine, but not as fine as you're on the slide, Joan. You need to sort yourself out. And then she turns in this manuscript. Yeah. No, yeah, that would have been a change. But um, then she leaves the restaurant and sees a boat in the street. What a cocky little man he is. Jack appears in his crocodile boots. He's dragged a sailboat through Manhattan. It's ridiculous. Says he couldn't stop thinking about her. He's even read one of her books. Yeah. And also, I don't think the crocodile boots thing has aged that well. Again, of its time and real animal products, it was a different world. But when he's like, yeah, I killed that croc and now I'm wearing it. And you're like, oh, this is a crocodile like doing his business. Like, don't turn it into boots. He's a man eating crocodile. 
That's true. You just ate a hand. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. When that happens, they've got to be put down. Yeah, and also, I found out that they can run faster than you can mm. on land. Oh, yeah. Not for, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, they but are. But just not for very long. Right. They're monsters. They are. <laughs> Kill them all. Get kill, rid of all kill, of them. Turn them all into cowboy boots. <laughs> um, and so they kiss and then they drive slash sail down an empty New York street. Yeah. Which was just such a stark image. Again, and because it played over the end credits, it sort of lasts for ages. And I can just remember watching that thinking, why? There's no one in New York. Yeah, <laughs> what, what's New York like? Who's let him drag a boat down the street anyway? But it's, oh, no, don't worry about it, Jack. There's no one here. Now yeah, I just absolutely think, what, fine. what logistical nightmare. Oh, my God. Yeah, imagine that, like getting the street clear for even a second. Yeah, amazing. And that's your happy ending. Yay! Um, so, as I said, it was followed by a sequel that made about as much money, cost a bit more money. I remember, I've not written this down. This I, I, There was some drama, though. Um, Kathleen Turner did not want to do it, and they... Um, threatened to sue her for $25 million. Oh, really? Yeah. What, Doug- it, she signed on to say she would. So, um, she Yeah, she signed the contract at the beginning, then, so Douglas had to smooth it over. And, and as I say, she's the one that said, well, Diane Thomas has to write some of this. I think she was annoyed that Diane Thomas wasn't going to write it. Yeah. And, you know, Zemeckis had left as well. And so it was all these... The, 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 the moving parts had all disappeared. Yeah, so. it seems like a cash grab. But, yeah, I just think the second one is, is a bit of a mess. I, I liked it all right when I was a kid, and then I watched it again about 20 years ago, and I thought, oh, this is... This is terrible. Well, I'm probably not going to watch it now. Nah. Again. I don't think so. I, I have seen you, it. I don't think you need to. Oh. Um, and so that's that. So let's do the bits and bobs. Lovely. Um, Vicky, what is your favourite scene? So I uh, I really like the mudslide bit. I think I like the energy. It does look scary to me, like you say, when you were a child, that's fun. But I'm just very taken with the cargo plane scene as a grown-up mm, now. You are, aren't you? Um, all my basic needs are met in that scene and in that plane. So I like the fact that we've got a heart-to-heart moment. It moves the relationship along. But I was just jealous of that cargo mm. plane. I was like, that looks like a great camping holiday. Yep. With, would you want to do it with Michael Douglas? I think I'm, yeah. Like, I don't have that thing of, because I'm, I'm slightly too young for it, where I was like, he is the fittest thing, like, on two legs for mm. a while. But, I mean, the man's got charisma, sure. He has, isn't he? Yeah. He'd be good company. Yeah, exactly. Mm. A fun, I would like to drink a full bottle of tequila with Michael Douglas. Yeah. Yes. He's got some stories. <laughs> um, I like it when the drug lord Juan recognises Joan and is a big fan of her work. Uh, I yeah. just think that's a really, it's a really perfectly timed joke. Yes. Uh, most valuable whatever. So this is, so I do want to give Holland Taylor a shout out because she's excellent. And then it would be Kathleen Turner because of her portrayal of the, you know, this, this I'm a mess because I drink and I stay in thing. You know, when we talked about the parody of that, it is such a, oh, it's such a tired trope that, you know, you're a mess and, but you're not actually a real human being mess. But, um, Kathleen Turner makes you believe in Joan as a, a fully rounded person who may be having some issues around getting out there and enjoying life and all the rest of it. She feels like a real person in the way that when other people do that, I'm a mess kind of thing. It just doesn't feel real at all. It just feels annoying. Um, and it is relatable and you very much root for it. But let's give it to Diane Thomas for creating that and um, for putting mm. on those scenes that made that a thing in the first place. Kathleen Turner is really brilliant in this, but it's a sort of, you know, it, it must be in the writing also. Yeah, and, and the fact that she did write it before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I, you know, that is, this was a big swing really because it's combining the old um, adventure serials with the sort of screwball comedy. Yes. It happened one night kind of thing. Which, yeah, yeah. Which Raiders does a little bit and, and the other indies do, but this leans into that more. And that's a really... Um, 
that was a really unusual approach for the time. Yeah, and it and it and it's fantastic. So yeah, my my uh, my winner is also um, Diane Thomas. But I also want to give a shout out to the writer of the novelization. Right. Yeah. Of course you do. Do you know who wrote the novelization of this? <clears throat> Uh, was it uh, Hilary Mantel? No. <laughs> was it uh, Stephen King? No, it's a good joke what they did. Okay. Oh, was it uh, John Wilder? It was. Yay! Yeah, and Jewel of the Nile, novelisation <laughs> by Joan Wilder. Brilliant. They did, I, don't, I don't even know who the real writer was. but <laughs> It was Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what would you change if you could change anything? So first of all, I just want to say this, it's not because I feel unconfident to say it, so I've got an actual change. I don't like the colour palette. I think it's too muted. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because I'd watched uh, a very lush, sparkly version of this story in The Lost City first, but it just seemed a bit, uh, yeah, a bit dowdy. Uh, But anyway, here we are. This is my change. So at the end, Elaine, the sister, she was in it all along somehow, right? And her sister has gone to all this trouble, but Elaine has double-crossed her. She's double-crossed Joan. But Joan has lived in the shadow of Elaine for far too long. And so Joan wins the day while still leaving the door open for Elaine to have redemption because sisters, and we don't want to like throw a sister under the bus. But I just like the idea that she's been forced into this adventure out of a sense of like sister sort of loyalty. But actually Elaine's um, been stringing her along and it's very convoluted, but somehow the map went to her rather than her. And so she's just forced her little dowdy sister to do this thing. And then Joan emerges like a beautiful butterfly to win the day kind of thing. Yeah. Not less. I can't believe I've just said that out loud because that's pitting women against each other, which I'm not meant to be a big fan no, of. No, do it. Do it. But it would be fun, wouldn't it's it? It's important. <laughs> For balance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's a great change. Uh, mine is a less story focused than that. Um, cast Clint Eastwood as the cowboy at the start uh, in the way that we got Channing Tatum in the other film. But also, um, it's what I said. I feel like um, we need to really objectify Michael Douglas in this movie. Fine. I want to see him. I want to see his arse. I want to see all of it. I want to see his stomach. The thing stomach. is, you should contractually almost see his arse because he's in the jungle. So it's like, where are you going to wash? Mm-hmm. And so there's always a scene. It's like, I found a river. <laughs> and then you get to see someone's bum. Yeah. You can see a lot of Channing Tatum's bum in the Lost City. So I don't know. I think, yeah. you're fair, I think it's fair enough, Chris. Yeah. And maybe it's because I watched the Lost City yeah. after this that I thought. You were like, where is his yeah, arse? Where is his arse? <laughs> Michael Douglas's arse and that ends Romancing the Stone. Lovely stuff. Um, So no quiz this week as it's just the two of us. So let's look to next week. And the clue from Alex is Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. He did put a question at the end of it because I don't think he was sure. Into the (laughs) Spider-Verse? So that's your lot. Um, if you want to watch us, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, and we're even on YouTube now. Have you seen us on YouTube, Vicky? No, I was unaware. I saw the messages, but I'm unaware yeah. of, of what this means. So what is it? Just the show on YouTube? <laughs> no, it's an edited version of the show. Oh, nice. It's much shorter, uh, about half an hour, the, the episodes I saw, okay. um, with some clips thrown in. Nice. It's great. Uh, last I looked, Days of Thunder and Top Gun are up there, as well as No Retreat, No Surrender. Oh, lovely. Okay. <laughs> which I did find myself watching some of, just for Alex's reaction to No Retreat, No Surrender. I didn't watch that on purpose, but I, I might do one day. Um, no, you don't have to. Um, so, yeah, just search for Clash Pod in those places. Well, if you liked what you heard, please give us a review or a rating, or better still, download each episode twice. And that really is your lot. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back on Thursday with The Lost City.
Clash of the Titles is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 